This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. And I'm Scott. We're going to talk about Wang's Carpets by Greg Egan. This Greg is Egan. First Holy published cow. in a book. Um, I think it was edited by another hard SF guy. Uh, uh, who You're talking it? about the the mammoth science fiction? That wasn't the one. That's that's the one we I got the audiobook okay. out of. Yeah, I think the original was New Legends. That sounds that right. right. And who's um, the editor? Greg Bear. New Legends, Greg Bear. Yeah. Greg Bear. Greg Bear. Yeah, somebody yeah. I used to turn to for my modern hard SF. <laughs> Um, and, and, and I'll that, turn to him any That's what all. I felt when I read this. It's been a while since I've read a book or a story about scientists doing science in a science fiction story, mm-hmm. um, which used to be the staple, right? Right. That used um, to be the default. Yeah, it used to be. That's what science fiction stories were mostly about. There was some some scientists doing science. Um, <laughs> and, and I found it really pleasant. You know, I, I liked, uh, I, there was just a lot of, uh, a lot of philosophy and a lot of scientific ideas floating through here. Uh, I think this is Paul's suggestion. It was my you? suggestion. Yes. Yeah. It was his suggestion. I, I, I said, Hey, you know, we haven't done anything by Greg Egan. Mm-hmm. And of course, Paul had read some of it, and this was one of his suggestions about which one to do. Right. Um, so it, I appreciate it, Paul. It's great. Because it's early Greg Egan. It establishes mm-hmm. and lays down a lot of the themes he does in other novels, except in a very distilled, short, shortened form, mm-hmm. and asks some real questions about the world mm. that that don't have definitive answers. They have answers, but that the characters come to, but they themselves realize they may not be the final word on things. So it's satisfyingly like, we don't, we, we, we think we know answers here, but there's still many worlds to conquer and many ways to look at the world, which is, which I appreciate. It, it keeps the sense of wonder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I, and, the cop, the co- oh, sorry. And, and I kept thinking of our Godel Oscar Bach conversation thinking about fractals and repeating mm-hmm. Lattices, and because because the the entities, the mathematical derivations, the worlds inside of the carpet just seems to get more and more complex. The more and more you go into the more and more dimensions, so it kind of reminds me of of fractal symmetry. Like on the outside, it looks from a distance, it looks like it's just like a colony of algae. But mm. the more you deeper in, the more you see there's more and more worlds to uh explore and conquer inside which kind of reminds goes back to like not so much stories. conquer though in this in this not case conquer but yeah but they, they say that one day they may try to figure a way to contact them in the yeah. 1920s and 30s those contact were, those, is conquer if you're a federation then this is the prime <laughs> very prime directive right it is very prime directive yes, yeah, right? the conversations among the characters were prime directive uh, yeah, they were willing worried, to wait, what, 50 years with, for an answer. Yeah, because they're worried about messing with just regular algae. Like, oh, we could just wait. We could wait a while for a storm for some to go on the shore. It's like, and given given their technology and their ability to tra- transcend death save by real giant accident, that's not an unreasonable methodology. It's a very slow methodology, and we can see that 
this is still relatively early in this universe because we still have characters who are who came from or first generation out of baseline humans. They don't quite think entirely in that way, which I find interesting. It's a very early story in it's not really a future history, but it's a it's a it's a few stories set in the same universe. It's kind of very early on in that they were they're still trying to where it's it's almost like he's also doing a Sterling thing with the uh, the Shaper Mechanist stories. Have you ever you guys read? I, I no, I haven't. I haven't mm-hmm. read those. So so basic basically he sets up basically two different kinds of human civilizations against each other, biological and technological. And Red Geekin's kind of inspired by that or riffing off of that here. He talks about the Gleisners and then the Red and then. And then the people like in in this palace that are much or which don't go for that technological utopia, they're going for a more human biological utopia of yeah. of parallel lives. Right, and these uh, folks have mastered biology, haven't they? <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I mean, they they, 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 can, they can change they can their body at will, and they can clone. Yeah, yeah, but they're, they're not even they're not even biological, right? They're, oh, no, they're, they're definitely all biological. Yeah, I thought it was biology that they yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, it's biology. Like we could change our biology. It was, it was like I mean, one of them. I remember a character changed right in front of another character to match what they were. Yeah, um, they're digital. You know, so they're digital. So they're, they they started off started off as baseline humans, and then they said, "Hey, I'm gonna clone myself." I say, yeah, that's that's cool. Oh, ninety six percent of me died. Ah, I'm gonna mourn that for a while. And then, yeah, they his, there's a sex scene where he says, uh, "I wanted to have sex with her, but that was just a clone of her digital version or whatever." And wait, 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 it, yeah. it's um okay. So so now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna bring in a really strange reference here because <laughs> I I brought it before the Borderlands series is a series of video games set in this future world with ancient ruins on planets and you go around and shoot creatures and monsters and try to open alien vaults. And there's this weird and one of the conceits of the technology after you die is basically you can be reconstructed from a digital version of yourself, Digistructs. Mm-hmm. And that's kinda like they kind of it's kind of what Greg's Egan's going for it. I mean, you can get, and also a Star Trek, a couple of Star Trek episodes have done this as well. Not only the one with, with the two Rikers, but also the one where Scotty shows up. Mm-hmm. You know, remember he, he's, he's stuck started, in the buffer. He's stuck in the buffer. So there, there's a, you, you have people being sent digitally and stored digitally, but then being basically being printed out, but in any form you want. Like, it's, you have, you technically the story's really good. Like, for a lot of a lot of stuff, there's stuff I have problems with within it, and they're not writing problems exactly. But uh, I want to go back a bit. Um, so I believe, like when I was I'm, listening, I'm, oh, go for it, Scott. I'm sorry, I'm still dealing with the the digital versus biological. I mean, that's not what I got when I read it. I felt they were real. The, and well, in they, fact, they, 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 in they, fact, they, the philosophy they, of the the CZs or this uh, CZ folks. Mm-hmm. Was that there was a reality, and that's kind of what there the philosophy is. of them was. And, and, and you're right, right? That it's not a solipsistic sort of universe, <laughs> which is an interesting idea. The whole idea, they, I mean, they basically Greg Egan 
creates a whole school of philosophy in this in this book that basically the universe exists because human minds existed before that and is used to explain stuff, which kind of reminds me of what's the what's the Highland story? Um, all you zombies. Mm-hmm. But it basically, he says that that's what whole human man. I mean, there's a theory that all humanity is just created the universe in order to explain itself and. Their, con- yeah. their contact with the carpets is kind of like poking that sort of idea. It's like that's carpet- kind of what I'm like. So I, I don't want to. I, I understand why you're worried, Scott. Um, well, it's just what I what I understood as I was reading right. this. I'm not a worry, but I thought that they were actually. I mean, they they talked about like a thousand copies in ships all going somewhere at right. once. Right. 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 But that that was like you know so they're making these copies, but I thought they were biological copies. They are well, not they, they, copies they're not, of biology, like in a, in a simulation or something. No, they're not in the simulation, but they use they use digital technology to create those copies as okay. templates. But they're not living in artificial reality like the Gleisners mm-hmm. or yeah, the Gleisners but... or technology or or the things that just live <laughs> in digital worlds all the time. That, right, but they're uh, using that digital technology to create. Yeah, little, so when they when they arrive at Vega, they're actually physically arriving at Vega. Well, not, well, a, a few of them were sitting on the ship, but most of them were sitting in the buffer and then got dumped into real physical bodies. Okay, I'm with you. Okay, but, sort so, of. So yes, Vega, but there's they, another they, level. There's another level. So, um, I, uh, one of the reviews somebody had of this story, I'm pretty sure it was one of the reviews of this story, uh, mentioned. Um, oh, maybe it was different. Anyways, it, uh, there was a little, little bit of um, who's the guy from Argentina, Borges, a little bit Boy. of Borges going on. Um, but I, I was thinking a bit more about set theory. If you guys know about this, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not a math guy, but set theory interacts with philosophy quite a bit. Um, so there's like, there's infinity, right? And then there's, an, you can have an infinite set of, of uh, so like. It, there's a, imagine an infinity of numbers. Got an infinity of numbers. That's good. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm past seven now. I'm up to 12. Mm-hmm. And then uh, pretty soon I'm going to be at 56. I don't know. This thing could go on for a while, right? Now we just take all the even numbers. Now there's an infinite set of even numbers. But since there's also odd numbers, uh, the set of odd numbers is bigger than the set of, uh, sorry, the set of odd numbers and set of even numbers are equal but put together that's a bigger infinite set right mm-hmm. once you start down this path of sets and clones and digital copies um it sort of becomes interesting to think about like oh what's going on i think greg egan did a good job with what he's doing here it's also i f- i found it uh rather repulsive <laughs> it sounds Most weird. Well, that's what I'm, uh, I'll get into. But um, I want to go back a little bit to explain why. So a few shows ago, we got into a really weird conversation. Uh, I think it was Paul. Uh, Scott wasn't there. And when we were talking about, I think it was the show about In in the Clutch of the War God by Milo Hastings, which is not where we would think it would go. But it, we talked about um, Aurora. By Kim Stanley Robinson. Oh yeah, yeah, me, me going off intensely on Aurora. Yeah, you didn't like Aurora, um, probably in a similar way. The way I don't react well to this story, and it's not that I don't like Hard SF. I do, um, but uh, I feel like the um, 
the post-human aspect of this is the issue. <laughs> it's the problem. So if you want to go Aurora, you want, uh, sorry, you want to go interstellar, you have to go post-human. And what we mean by post-human is kind of what Greg Egan does in this book, right? You make digital copies, make a tiny spaceship that can get up to uh, near light speed, set it off for a hundred million years towards the nearest uh, star cluster, and uh, and then get your probes out and do all your, your math and all that. And then in the meantime, when you're waiting around for the results to come in or having your votes or changing your eye stocks or switching your your body so that you can be a girl or a dude or your dad's third copy of your cousin. (laughs) You can, (laughs) whatever it is, right? All of that. Then, you know, you, you you have a debate about language, right? All of this is a sound and fury signifying nothing. I have MP3 files on a hard drive in front of me. I think, right? I plug it in. I check it and I say, oh yeah, they're there. Okay. And then in the very act of looking at them, I'm actually copying them, right? When I double click on a hard drive, um, it's not just, it's like people get sort of like, I'm not, I don't stream, I, I don't download, I only stream. It's like they're the same thing, right? Any actions within a computer are copying actions. There's like on and off actions, but the rest is like moving stuff around. And that's not literally moving. It's just copying. I, I, I mean, we could use another word for it, but copying is copying. Downloading is, you know, going to visit a website is not visiting. It's downloading it, right? It, 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 we can sort of misunderstand what, what reality is. But the people on this spaceship that are viewing this planet full of uh, water that has like big sheets of uh, I want to say sugar. <laughs> um, they're, they're really excited about this thing, and turns out, oh, it's it's not alive. Oh, turns out it is alive. Oh, turns out that it's just dumb. Oh no, turns out it's smart, right? So we get this back and forth and back and forth. Um, and the, in the, in interstices, in between the the revelations of what we're looking at on this planet. And the debates, right? All that indicates to me is like, oh yeah, this is, this is what's so interesting about this is this is kind of like, um, Greg, not Greg Bears, uh, by ex- exhalation by Ted Chang. Ted Chang. It's not our, it's not our reality, right? So if you could make a program to put yourself on a spaceship, uh, make a copy of yourself and give yourself eye stocks and change your gender. You're still sitting at home or maybe you're dead, right? But these things are going on with, without us. So it becomes like a kind of, uh, hard fantasy in the way that exhalation is. I, I wanna, I wanna think of, um, I want to think of exhalation as a science fiction story. But it's not set in a universe that's anything like ours. It's much more like Flatland, and that I think that is explicitly called out in this story, right? Yep, Flatland does get mentioned, right? Uh, Edwin Abbott story, right? Which is it's fascinating and it's very interesting. Like so, so many problems are caused by the revel, like just 
the setup. It's like a, it's it's almost like learning the rules of a game, but it's not our world. So I was I was sort of like, why is he telling me about these? You know the the relationships, the emotional relationships between these characters who I, I'm very detached from. Like I, I they they don't have uh, I don't know belt pouches <laughs> and, <laughs> and breakfasts, right? <laughs> <laughs> they don't worry about uh, whether it's raining, right? They're so detached from me. Um, it it becomes more like uh, following robots. But robots, I can un- understand as a metaphor. These are not exactly a metaphor. Do, did you get any sense of why I, I would have a reaction to this in the same way that Paul has a reaction to Aurora's message? The message here, to me, is like, it's sad. That's that's what we're going to call space exploration. It's really uh, it's called out in the story at the end, right? He's saying, "Well, uh the people at home are living in simulations, you know, VR worlds. Uh how is that any <laughs> any different than the stuff we're doing?" But but then they say, "Well, this is actually something real, not something they made." Yes. I mean, and now step out of that set, Paul. Step 1, set back. And we're looking at a short story. You see the, 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 what, what this thing is like, right? Is it's like, yeah, within the story, it all makes sense. But then you take one step back and you say, oh yeah, it's a short story. That's like, oh no. <laughs> like that's, that's what I got a problem with, right? Is that it, within the story, it, it's good, but the story is meta questioning. It's saying, what's the difference? What's the meaning? And remember, somewhere deep in the center of this book, I I listened to it twice, is a conversation about why this sort of astronomy and space exploration is all necessary. The search for life is all necessary. Do you all remember this? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Suicide, right? The suicide and and the emigration, right? Oh, Everybody wants to emigrate. The, this program is going to be very relied on upon on Earth. People are excited to hear about life out in the in the universe because if it's all anthropocentric, then dot dot dot. If this goes on, dot dot dot. Right. And and then right. how's the story end? It's like well, let's see. so the the. Carpets seem to have their own thing going on. They're simulating their own reality. And I'm like, oh yeah, well this is kind of like exactly like your world, isn't it? <laughs> These people on the spaceship, right? And so it's very, it's like incestuous in a certain way. It, or it's it, it, mirror. It, it, it's incestuous so much as it's mirroring yes. their own world. But, but, it, but the, but, but the, the car- message. The but Wang the tiles message. can't be mirrored. Right, that's that's one of the things. I'm, I, I'd never heard of them before this story. Uh, had you guys, Wang Tiles? Yeah, I I, I I I had not heard of them before I first read this story years ago. I had not heard of what they were. I, I just found this uh, very depressing. Like, <laughs> it sounds weird because I know I shouldn't be depressed about it, but I'm like, oh man, because ultimately he says, "Here's the problem," right? And then, oh, here's a solution. And then the problem is is present again. It, it's like he's trying to escape solipsism, and he does that right. with with uh, 
you know, space exploration, <laughs> reality exploration. And then there's other people at home doing fake uh, reality exploration uh, with fractal programs, you know, like there's games that generate procedural yeah, worlds, right? It's basically like Minecraft. They're all playing Minecraft. Yeah, they're playing Minecraft, but uh, they're also, you know, they're, it's procedurally generated Minecraft rather than they go into the world and they can interact with it, but they're they're going into Minecraft worlds created by procedure, right? Fractal style well, procedure. Well, well, yeah. Well, well my, my, Minecraft is randomly generated world. Then right. You can build stuff, but, but then you go interact with it, right? Right. Yeah. But I played some Minecraft, so I can. I, I've it. seen you. I've seen you on Steam playing Minecraft. <laughs> I, I have a friend. I I have a friend who. She and her son play Minecraft, and sometimes I play with them. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's like Lego. It's it, you make in your yeah, own little world. Yeah, I I I, I, I build I build I build clunky clunky cubic, cubic uh, architecture for mm-hmm. fun. And it is fun. I get it, but it's also not a reality, right? Oh no, it's not, it's not the real world by any stretch. But uh, one of the things I love about Minecraft is you know seeing the people making calculators and computers that work and run programs inside of Minecraft, right? I think that's fascinating. And of course, they're slow, <laughs> right? When you have your little character jump on the on the equal sign after putting in a calculation that you've built into this giant display and this giant keypad, right? You can see the torches lighting up and going down the corridors up to the, make the oh, logic yeah, chain. Oh yeah, there's there's, there's a whole there's a whole uh, I haven't gotten into it. there's a whole subset of Minecraft things called redstone circuits where you basically mm-hmm. can like set up relay relays and and theoretically you could be, like even set up and or gates and basically yeah make a very primitive but real computer. And in this um, it, in this story, of, uh, Stevenson's The Diamond Age. Have you read The Diamond Age? I have Age? not. No. Yeah, I have. Yeah. So I'm th- I'm I'm thinking mm-hmm. of how the main character learns basically basic computing through those simulations. Yeah, yeah. This all so solipsism is the belief that I exist only, and nothing only thing else I exists. Know is that I exist, right? Uh, no, I exist and everything around me is is contingent upon me. So okay. if I I'm died, if I I'm died, uh, you're my dream and you would cease to exist. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Okay. And then the Wang's tiles, um, to explain those, I have the paragraph where mm-hmm. he's explaining that. Um, he says, think of a row of Wang tiles as being like the data type, data tape of a Turing machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paolo had a library grant, et cetera, et cetera. We, with the right set of tiles, to force the right pattern, the next row of the tiling would look like the data tape after the Turing machine has performed one step of its computation. And the row after that will be the data tape after two steps, and so on. So it's it's the idea that um, you can put uh, a, a, a tile or something on this data tape and then just run the tape, and it'll appear intelligent like the Turing machine mm-hmm. does, right? Um, I remember one time in uh, the previous job I had, which was, you know, I'm a PLC programmer, control systems. Yeah. And at one point... You're, I you're the Minecraft guy. Said, yeah, and I, I said uh, to a coworker, I said, you know, if someone had recorded all of our button presses, 
then they could have created everything that we've created up to this point just by running that recording. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Because really, what we had created, other than the physical piece of machinery, um, everything uh, inside the programming was just a series of button presses. That's right. Yeah. And if if you remember back to the very early days of computer programming uh, for home computer yeah. programming, <laughs> what what I would do is I would hook up my cassette recorder to my <laughs> computer um, and play back a series of sounds into the computer that would then load my program as before disk drives, right? And yes. I, if I made a mistake anywhere in the typing out of a magazine called Byte or whatever magazine it oh, was. Oh, yeah, you're describing exactly what I used to yep. do with my right. Commodore 64. Uh, yep. This was, uh, I was doing it on the TI-99 4A, and, <laughs> you know, it, it, it was fascinating because you could make these games, you could make programs. Yeah, um, yeah well, I remember typing in this, this program to basically make this kind of racing game where the road just kept getting narrower and narrower until eventually you got to a point where it was too narrow to actually drive and you died. There were also obstacles. But mm -hmm. I had to type each line of that program in over, yeah. Mm. And God forbid I got any of those lines yeah, wrong. You can't, you can't get one digit wrong. So yeah. um, I just want to read, uh, most people are not going to have access to this story. It's pretty hard to get. I mean, it's not like My, it's public I, I domain. Just, yeah, just to mention that, I'm, I've got the one in front of me is in the anthology called The Hard SF Renaissance, mm -hmm. edited uh, by Hartwell the, and Kramer. Uh, yeah, part one, Kramer. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, the second story in it. So um, this is from a blog. Um, I think it's a nice summary. It gives you. I mean, we talked about a, a bit about it uh, of what's going on. It's uh, mainly books and reading blog um, from 2016 post. A mouthful of a story, uh, which later became part of Greg Egan's novel Diaspora, where many of the threads left hanging are explored more fully. Um, and then these are the important paragraphs here. Humans are rendered in software, having been scanned generations ago, now immortal, barring suicide, cloning and reprogramming themselves in large numbers and sending those clones out to explore the galaxy. These missions are seeking evidence of life to confirm the hypothesis of what the meaning of the universe might be. One such voyaging ship has found the first example on a planet, Orpheus. Large carpets... Uh, quote-unquote, around carpets, submerged and slowly moving through an ocean. The carpets hardly seem candidates for sent sentient life, each one being comprised of single lung car carbohydrate molecule. So, basically, they're sugar. <laughs> but it turns out they are behaving as a Turing machine made up of Wang tiles, renamed w Wang's carpets by the human clones who discover them, or some of them. They have their own private language. Uh, Wang's tiles are mathematical system proposed by Hao Wang in the form of a conjecture that, simplifies version, s square tiles with differently colored sides can fill a plane. And if so, in a periodic pattern. Hao Wang argued that if such a, th such a tiling exists, that would imply that there is also an algorithm that would decide if such a pattern exists. Wang's student showed that there is no such algorithm and the tiling problem is undecidable. Wang's carpets on Orpheus are doing that computation, but instead of the simple two-dimensional case proposed by Hao Wang, in this story the carpets occupy many levels in the ocean, and thus an immensely powerful computation is going on, and can be visualized by Fourier analysis. An intelligence compromised of multi-dimensional Turing machine. So you've got a Turing machine, which is essentially a 
uh, thinking machine, right? It's a machine that can pass the Turing test, a.k.a. it's a person. Uh, right. In, in as much... Now, we've got a whole bunch of characters in this story, and I didn't pay much attention to them because I was very distanced from them. But um, they're having sex with each other, and they've got eye stalks, and some of them look like butterflies. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, these are all, this is all post-human stuff, and I'm not big into that. I don't think it makes a lot of sense, because... I don't understand it. Whatever. Um, well, long story short, it's a mirror to the world that they're exploring, right? The, this planet of Orpheus. And that's a really good name, right? You know, the character of Orpheus. To, 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 to quote the, the movie Solaris, we don't want other worlds. We want mirrors. Right. Um, mm. So uh, what does Orpheus do? He goes into the underworld, right? Yep. Per- uh, what's, what, he comes out with his own head. Is that right? I'm I'm going from memory. No, here. no, no. He's he's trying he's trying to save his lady love, who has died. And, uh, that, I'm you pretty sure there's a head involved. There, 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 there is no head involved. <laughs> there's no head. He goes in headless. No, he goes. Of course, he goes in with a head. All right, here it is. <laughs> um, death. Uh, Thracian girl carrying head of Orpheus. Um, Death of Orpheus. Okay, I'm going to control F head. See, I thought you guys would be... Um, you thought we'd be what? You'd be better at this than me. Um, his head and a lyre still singing a mournful song floated down the river Hebrus into the sea, after which that's, the winds... That's, yes? after he, that's after he dies, comes out of Hades, and gets torn apart by Maynads. Right. Right, that's after his trip to the underworld. So... One of the things to think about, like, did you guys see this really stupid looking game called Cyberpunk 2077 that came out? And yes, I, yes, sunk? I know about Cyberpunk 2077. No, don't know anything did about you, that. Did you say you played it, Paul? I have not played it. Some, some people in my circles have played it or okay. reacted to it. It apparently came out very buggy and so lots of people aren't happy so with it. So one of the things that you can do in the game, this is sort of a popular thing, right, in games, is you you can modify your character, right? Um, this is, is something we see in Dungeons & Dragons. You can, I don't know, level up or whatever. Get more hit points. Skill skill level, right? You can become a, a more superhuman than you were. Um, in this game, you can do that. You can... Uh, one of the things they wanted to do is, like, allow people to change their character as much as they want. Super customize your character, right? Um, now, of course, they're going to do this for monetization purposes, right? So, you know, you want more customization. You want to have purple skin and uh, eight fingers per hand. Or I, I haven't played it, but I've seen, you know, little clips of it. Uh, you, you, you can cut your arms off and replace them with robot arms. And you can cut your legs off and replace them with robot legs. And you get brain implants. And eventually, you're just a robot. Uh, or a thing that was a robot, right? So the 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 story of the head and Orpheus going into the sea is kind of, I think, important because really these are not the bodies of the people who were back on Earth who had themselves cloned. These are the thoughts or the thought patterns, the Turing's of the people. And when they get or, to this far or a star, slice of it because they talk about divergence and right. people not being the same. And then they have votes, which is so, 
weird. And then th- there was a line in there about how nobody would ever consider, you know, cheating in the phoning system by cloning themselves even more because we're all reasonable people here. Right? <laughs> As they look around the room at the, <laughs> the guy who used to be his own son and the cousin who's now a butterfly, right? Um, and then he used sw- to be his own son. I'm just ma- I'm making fun of what's going on in here. Okay, this posthuman okay. stuff is it's so distant from. I mean, it's it's sort of becoming popular in our culture, or cultures, um, but I think it's it's a mistake because it, it is all about the head, right? But that head of like ultimately, this is a math story. It's on one of it's. It, I think it's up on math fiction. You know the oh, it's oh, it's definitely it's definitely a math story. Greg, Greg Egan. A lot of Greg Egan stories are math stories. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that is feature not bug for him. I mean, I mean, I mean and science and math do go together, but they're they're quite distinct realms, right? You use math to to measure reality, but math is is a separate realm. In the same, it's, it's like the MP3 files on this hard drive, right? It's a separate realm from the, from the realm of, uh, somebody playing a violin in the room that you're in. Okay. It's like that digital versus analog, right? <laughs> These are all digital people and they're living in a digital world and then they find well, a, they, 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 a, the, a planet that's covered they, in. They're not living in, they're not always yeah. living in a digital world. I mean, the, the, the solipsists are. They're just living in digital worlds all the time. These people are stored in pattern buffers, but when they get to the planet, they basically get they get digestructed into real beings of whatever kind they want. <laughs> yeah, I can print stuff the, out of my CZ, computer. The CZ people, it says in here that... Um, what does that stand for, by the way? Does anybody know? Carter Zimmerman. Carter Zimmerman. Ah, okay. But the, uh, right. they are committed to exploring the physical world while other groups are not. They're content, you know, they say, oh, we've got aliens because we... We created them. We created them, right. We created them ourselves. They're they're different from us, but they're creations. Right. And the CZ folks are interested in the physical reality and exploring the physical world. (laughs) But they're created by Greg Egan. <laughs> well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's well, yeah, that's yeah, that's why I'm saying it's so meta and so Borges, right? Uh huh. So I really appreciate what he's done here. It's it's like it's it's like a very interesting crystal fractal thing. Mm-hmm. But I feel totally disconnected from it in the, in the way that I think Paul feels disconnected from the idea of not getting on a spaceship uh, and you know flying to Alpha Centauri and and looking down at it through the porthole on the spaceship and thinking, let's get in the space shuttle and get down there. Right? Mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. like it's like that um it's 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 so uh distancing. It's alienating, I guess it's the word for it. Okay. Yeah. You didn't feel alienated? No, I felt uh I I guess I don't know. I wasn't turned off by it. I, I felt uh, that I was reading about others. <laughs> you know, these are people, not me, right? Um, things that I identify with and things that I don't, but I think that that's what he was doing. Um, so I didn't have a 
really a positive or a negative reaction to the characters anything in in particular it's just that there's so much character work it's an interesting thought i mean we've had it come up in science fiction over and over and over the idea that you can take your consciousness and download it somewhere mm-hmm. i mean robert j source spent a lot of time exploring sure that did. um but the but the idea that you know hey i'm gonna make in fact i remember a uh gosh what was it called four lords of the diamond by J- jack chalker oh jack chalker does yeah i remember there was a yeah, it was back in the 80s, the story where uh, somebody needed to go find a fugitive or something, and but there were four planets where fugitives could go, but once you got there, something in your biology changed and you could never leave. So their solution was to take this, I assume he was a police officer of some type, and uh, cologne him four times and send him to each of the four planets and to find this fugitive, and... So he wrote four novels, one of one uh, one on each planet, and I think it was called Four Lords of the Diamond. That's what my my volume was from the science fiction book club, anyway. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was cool. So all four books started at the same moment where the character woke up. Can you read them in uh, any order? He was. Uh, I don't recall. I don't <laughs> recall if there was a special order to him or not. Interesting. Um, but yeah, but it was a it was a cool idea. But so the, I mean, the idea is not not new. But the Call Me Joe by Paul yeah, Anderson. And then, uh, Hyperion, Hyperion, um, Hyperion and Fall of Hyperion, and then Into Endymion by Dan Simmons. Some of the ideas in that were that you know you would resurrect with that cruciform, and um, so it made uh, death both not an issue and also the biggest issue that ever could be <laughs> right because now yeah, it's I mean, both yes a, right so they're talking about suicide in here yeah so thinking about that is like okay you're you're in you've got immortality but now you're going to end your existence by choice yeah but um, it's only one of your existences because of all your well, clones yeah, and but, infinite but also the replicable. idea that there's the idea there that there could be a final one right so to me, that's what's in my head anyway. Uh, there still could be a possibility of a final one where there are no more copies. So, uh, um, and then they also talked about the idea of, um, hey, I sure hope that uh, if I ever meet one of the people, one of my clones that had to live without you, that I could download my memories, you know. Uh, and give them to him, yeah. And give them to him, right. Because she decided she wanted there to be only one of her. Right. Right. And uh, so she was living in a more traditional way that Linear we can identify yeah. more, right? So, yeah. So all, all these ideas are kind of explored in here, um, you know, being tossed around. But I, I felt, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't feel super strongly connected to the characters, but there wasn't. But there's so much strong. character work uh, as opposed there's to so much. There's so much in the story. Period. I mean, the, the whole thing that's is true. really dense, um, and I think that that's it's an even thing. Is there's just a lot happening when you listen to it. It's actually, um, for me, I read I read the story and listened at the same time, mm. and that works for me. Um, there's a lot of science fiction that's hard to listen to it on is. audio. It's uh, it's a different skill. It's yeah because there's a lot of words and things that uh, give you trouble if you don't have it in front of you. You're like oh, and I'm you can't you, you can't process at the same speed right. as the narrator. Oh, and this was in italics and. Yeah. Here's a word that didn't exist before Spelling. this moment. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, all those things. But when something's this dense, 
um, I prefer to read it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. But I, I did enjoy just the philosophical exploration, um, whether I agree with the philosophy or not. Um, I thought it was a very interesting exploration of uh, possibility. And, um, yeah, you know, the, the idea, I mean, science fiction writers have been coming up with ideas for life since the beginning, and this is the first time I've ever encountered a Wang carpet. Mm-hmm, me too. So, but it's, that's, that's cool, you know. Uh, give me something new, it's, uh, it doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> Um, I, I keep thinking, I keep bringing it back to, um, Borges just because yeah, I, I yeah. get, I get, I, I, when I read Borges, I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> I get it. Um, mm-hmm. so the one that I'm, I think about uh, this is most connected to here is the, the library of Babel, which is, uh, I'll just read the opening, uh, maybe not the opening paragraph. It's pretty long. Oh, maybe the opening paragraph. Um, the universe, which others call the library, is composed of an infinite, yeah, sorry, indefinite, perhaps an infinite number of hexagonal galleries with enormous ventilation shafts in the middle, encircled by very low railings. From any hexagon, the upper and lower stories are visible, interminably. The distribution of the galleries is invariable. Twenty shelves, five long shelves per side, cover all sides except two. Their height, which is that of each floor, scarcely exceeds that of an average librarian. One of the free sides gives upon a narrow entrance entranceway, which leads to another gallery, identical to the first and to all the others. To the left and to the right of the entranceway are two miniature rooms. One allows standing room for sleeping. The other, the satisfaction of fecal necessities. Through this section passes the spiral staircase, which plunges down into the abyss and rises up to the heights. In the entranceway hangs a mirror, which faithfully duplicates appearances. People are in the habit of inferring from this mirror that the library is not infinite. It is, yeah, sorry, if it really were, why this illusory duplication? I prefer to dream that the polished surfaces feign and promise infinity so it's it's uh, a world it's not our world right mm-hmm. you sleep standing up uh, there's uh, another room for fecal necessities doesn't explain how you ingest unless it's books yeah, 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 right yeah, where, where, where's there the food yeah so I think the books are the food <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense but you do take in food but then you poop out you take in words and then you poop out words <laughs> we don't really know. Um, but one of the thing that's going on is, is, uh, later in this story is all the, what the, what are in the books, right? Yeah. And it's very much like a, um, uh, a tile. But if you, if you remember how the world looks, uh, in that opening paragraph, uh, the world consists of rooms that are connected. Uh, they're hexagonal and there's two walls that, are not uh, walls of books, right? So there's an infinite set going up and down and left and right. And what's the outside world look like? If we're looking at this there's world, no outside. there is no outside world. Mm-hmm. How many how many walls does it have? Well, it looks uh, in the best way we can possibly. And I've done it. I've illustrated it. <laughs> like, um, well, it's like it. It, it could be like a giant circle, right? We don't, it could be a carpet, right? It could be all sorts of 
things. Now here, we get a planet. And on that water world, there seems to be some beaches somewhere for the tidal waves to uh, wash up some debris, maybe. Um, On this water world are things living deep under the surface so that they avoid the the toxic UV that will damage them. And so they're out of contact with the reality of the sun, their, their star. Um, they can't see the world as it is. They're more like the Plato's cave creatures, right? And of course, yeah, I, I, they're I, I, not beings. They're not beings like, uh, with eyes because they don't have any sense data. They do communicate information. What do they communicate? Social information, right? <laughs> so we get like, it's 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 kind of like it's a model of the internet or something, right? Like, it, it, sure, we can hook up webcams, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, but that's not it. it it's so uh, full. The story is so full, and then with that, you know, the naming of the planet Orpheus. I just like, wow, he's 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 got he's got something on here. But his answer, I think, the reason I'm despairing is because he's despairing. And I haven't read that whole diaspora book where it says it's expanded, but well, you, you, I get the you, sense you, that I'd be much an, more depressed. This is an episode in diaspora, yes. But, but you you didn't come away. Uh, yeah, that's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't come. I didn't come away. I mean, I agree that the characters here are not engaging ones that I keep thinking about again and again as people. But um, they're not even engaging with themselves, right? Like they're not. Yeah, they're they're right, constantly I, body changing, right? Right. This, this is more story and putting themselves so to sleep. The, the world, the philosophical ideas, the uh, whole idea of the wine carpets and how that might actually work. The this is a philosophy and big sense of wonder story for me not a character story i mean if i come to this stuff for the first time now i might not like it as much i mean there's a bit of nostalgia here for me because my tastes have slightly changed i used to like not care about characters at all really all i really wanted out of science fiction <laughs> was world building sense of wonder big ideas all that stuff and characters could go hang now i actually want some more hook on my characters to actually care about and this story doesn't quite provide it neither does the aspirin for that matter but yeah, it's very clinical in a certain sense even though they're all not clinical in the story like the characters are not clinical in the story the world is presented clinically it feels like the way Ted Chang's characters are you know they're <laughs> they're there uh, but we're distanced from them like we're scientists examining them right and so, yeah, they have feelings and uh, and such, but it, it's like we're wearing white lab coats as we pick them up and and see their emotions. And their emotions are legitimate. Probably like the characters in this story's emotions are legitimate, as much as my emotions are legitimate, right? <laughs> Except that's yeah. the problem. These are fictional characters in a story written by a human. <laughs> and I'm sympathizing with them instead of, I don't know, walking around the world and sympathizing with actual people. But then turns out there's no difference. That's, that's why I'm so worried. It's like, oh yeah, it's like you go to all this far away. It's basically the equivalent of the, or it's possibly the equivalent of, of what the people are doing in the simulation worlds. 
but they, but they, they 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 see it very differently that that's not what they're doing in the simulation worlds because they're actually out there even if they're in these weird other bodies they are actually out there seeing real things not not procedurally generating their worlds they're this is something that's actually in the place that you can visit. <laughs> well, but but, but, the, but they're worried that they they live in an anthropocentric universe, right? They they're very they're very worried that the universe just exists for them. They're trying they're trying to avoid the solipsism trap by any means necessary because they have the whole gradations There's of that, signals for what do we find? That Ted Chang story uh, and we Scott you were talking about the young creationists mm-hmm. um the young earth creationists um Yeah, yeah. Um, when they go to a planet, or uh, we're seeing it from their point of view, and they discover uh, Arthur C. Clarke's star-like, right? Mm-hmm. The star, yeah. um, like that their planet is not the center of the universe, and that mm-hmm. um, it's some other place. <laughs> it's like, right, wow, right. that is depressing, right? Um, <laughs> but, uh, these are the worries. Uh, what's the uh, uh, what's the concern that all the stars in the universe are? Uh, the Fermi paradox, sort of thing, right? Yeah, that there, there, there is no. Uh, why are there? No why are the, Why is there a lot of interstellar subspace chatter? <laughs> why uh, Why aren't the Cardassians yelling at the Klingons? Because well, mm-hmm. they they don't exist. Well, what happens? <laughs> we don't know. But the, that whole are we the first? That's the. These are the worries and concerns of the characters the in this story, yeah. right? That, the first, that we're the only and the only one that ever will be. But then they discover this, and now everybody on Earth is excited. No, they don't need to suicide anymore, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, yay! There's some plankton <laughs> or some sea. Yeah. What, what are the algae? Sea <laughs> whips. Yeah. <laughs> some curtains. Some <laughs> some carpets <laughs> floating in the sea at the bottom of a of a an ocean on a faraway planet. Yay! And they're thinking yay. about stuff. But this is the first life they found. So, right. So, 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 so you mean you're mocking like, yay? They no, no. That's that's what the that's what they're saying. I'm not mocking it. That's what they're saying. You see, you see me mocking their reaction. But, but given given their world and their fears of the universe is just really just something that the human mind has created. Finding something that looks like that might dispute that, even if it's weird. Carpets that do nothing but simulate worlds inside their own. That is a cause for happiness. Uh, how how that, often that, has this happened I, in our news? Was they hey they discovered life on Mars again? Right, this happens like every five years, just like the flying car. Right, hey, we've detected signs of life on Io because there's some methane. Right, <laughs> it's like well yeah, it is a product of some biological systems, but there's also lots of other stuff going. And it turns out yeah, there's nothing. And I'm not saying we should stop sending probes or anything like that, but it it is the back and forth. And there's a line there's a line in here about how every fifty light years there's a uh, a plankton sheet, <laughs> what was it? Was it, it <laughs> and then another fifty light years beyond. There's biological organisms with eyes, and then another fifty light years beyond. There's there's ones with brains that have conversations about whether there's plankton on other planets. Well, that, that, that's a theory that someone. That's right, one point in, and that's their hope. Right? That's their hope. That's their hope. That's their desperate hope that they're not. That's when they're alone in the universe, and that's that's a. I mean, 
the, the Fermi paradox is a real thing. So, mm. so I mean, I could see what. I mean, this is almost like turning the Fermi paradox on his head. It's like having the Fermi process, uh, have the Fermi uh, blah blah blah, having the Fermi paradox be refuted, also coincidentally ends the uh, anthropocentric universe. So, solving one solves the other. Mm-hmm. So that's a twofer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also like that it's just a an ex- it's just a good old fashioned excuse to have. Uh, hey, I read this article in Scientific American, <laughs> which is where this uh, this um. Uh, well, he Wang, may have read in Scientific American. No, it was in nineteen sixty five issue of uh, November nineteen sixty five issue of Scientific American that is presented to the. I public. mean, he, he. I mean, Greg Egan does real intense math or maths for you Canadian folk. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of the story Border Guards, where he, basically he creates this game where you move an object by changing electrical magnetic fields, and then he came up with a this was back in the '90s a primitive computer game where you actually could play the game Border Guards, mm-hmm. which is hilarious by basically changing these fields. It's like I thought that was really cool at the time. It's like. Yeah. Cool. So I, I have this this Hartwell um, anthology. David, do you guys want to hear what he had sure. to say? Yeah. So um, he says the solipsism of what remains of humanity might be seen to stand in for a postmodern, poststructuralist, lit crit point of view. Yes. That the world is as we perceive it, and even science is a symbolic construct of language. It's contrasted here to the scientific stance that there is a real universe out there to which words must refer and which they can only in part represent. Mathematics is the foundation of science. Being a hard SF writer, Egan, of course, comes down on the side of science. It's That's part of it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do like that aspect of the story, that they are interested in that there's this reality. Uh, yeah, it's it's. Are you gonna are you gonna live your life playing computer games, <laughs> or are you gonna live a real life? Are you gonna buy digital clothes for your avatar, or uh, are you gonna you know occasionally have to buy some clothes for your actual body? Right, right. Yeah. So uh, there there is this. Uh, I don't understand it. The post-human people, the trans-human people, right? They, we're we're gonna go beyond. We're gonna be greater than what we are we're gonna we're gonna dump these uh these bodies we're gonna we're gonna be digital well i'm gonna live forever (laughs) there's there's a lot of people who sort of like buy the books and read these things and think yeah yeah that's me (laughs) um and maybe they even like believe it yeah but the hard reality (laughs) is they're stuck in a bio body uh, did you ever read kiln people by no no oh yeah you're not a brain fan yeah, it, I've, it, I've read. I've read, I've read it too, um, but what it had was short-lived clones. Mm-hmm. So you could create a clone of yourself to go do something, and do then if it you. got if it got back to you before the expiration date, mm-hmm. you could download its memories into yours. Right. So it was as if you did it. Right. Right. But if it dies before the expiration date, if you you don't get to it before the expiration date. Then you don't get it, whatever it did. It's a metaphor for books. 
<laughs> There's a lot of books out in the world with full of pe- people's experiences written down. If I don't get to read them before I die, they expire. <laughs> they expire, right? Yeah, or you expire. Yeah. So yeah. it's that's it's important that I uh, everybody return their books from the interlibrary loan so that I can incorporate these important memories into my <laughs> own. Interlibrary loan is a great wolf novel. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you bet. But notice in this never, in the story here when Kill People came out, I was thinking, well, yeah, I could have a kiln person just read the books that I kind of want to read, but don't really yeah. want to read, and then they they, they can basically read up my reading time. Well, would your would, would your clone <laughs> want to do that? When your when your clone comes back really annoyed and uh, yeah. pissed off, um, just shoot it. It's obviously been reading a uh, Greg. <laughs> David Brin <laughs> Buck. <laughs> the, uh, and, and, and Don't incorporate. Killing people was also that you could um, dial up or down certain attributes. So if you wanted it to do physical labor, yeah, you, you could make, make it, it not as smart, yeah. right? And that's just, so so, <laughs> so that it wouldn't it. rebel against you and not want to do that physical labor. Typical Say, no, I want Brin. to read books. I want to read books instead. <laughs> I, I'd rather I'd rather play Minecraft. I don't want to build this. <laughs> Jack, for you, I want to make Minecraft. Oh, oh, I, want to, I, I want to be on SSF Audio. Why do you get to be on SSF Audio? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, he could listen to it, Paul. I remember most is when the uh, uh, character left a me in the fridge for her husband as uh, she went off and did her stuff. I left a me in the fridge. Mm-hmm. So... So, so let me ask you this, Jesse. So, do, does posthuman stuff in general depress you? Uh, yeah, uh, there was a comic called Transmetropolitan, and I was like, no. Would you call that clone stuff and killing people posthuman? Um, not really, because yeah. you're still there. I mean, that's just that's robot slaves, is what it is. With right. exactly with yeah. expiry it's dates, right? You are the slave, your own slave. Yeah, mm, yeah, ish. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. And the book, of course, was about a murder. Of course. Somebody's, somebody's clone murdered. Uh, you got to have a plot. That's the best yeah. one to do. <laughs> Mr. Murder Mystery. Yeah. 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 So transhuman stuff. I don't know. I, I haven't connected with a lot of transhuman stuff myself, but I haven't read a ton of it. Um, well, it's know, not way. even. It's it's in the culture, too, like um, Kurzweil, right? Mm hmm. Uh, all the people who um, who are cutting off their own heads and storing them in freezers and cryonics, they they think that their existence is going to continue, right? Right. Um, so that's quasi related, but just the idea of being uploaded uh, and then being copied and all that stuff—that's transhuman. But a lot of it is is more physical based, right? I I can't uh, I can become. Um, Younger, I can become uh, more. I mean, it's it's related a lot to just the self improvement sort of like go to the gym, work out, get less belly fat sort of mm-hmm. reality. Well, what, and what about things like augmentation? Like, uh, yeah, I read I read a long time ago a, a science fact article that was claiming that um, your heart lungs systems in a human could be. Uh, replaced by nanorobot stuff, 
And since that's one of the things that fails for us earliest, that that would extend lifespan a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, we do this. If you have cataracts, you can have them removed, right? Right. Um, There's lots of things that, but I don't think that that is transhuman as much as. So for you, it's consciousness when you start moving that around. uh, But also what you, you claiming to think that you're consciousness. So uh, uh, my, uh, my friend Evan, who was supposed to be on this maybe, but isn't, um, no, Evan Lamp- Lampy, Evan Lampy. Well, he, I, I think there was a question mark maybe. Anyways, um, he, he talks about how the, it must be the case that a long time ago, the Klingons had developed a technology for starships because current tech, uh, current Klingons, like, they're not interested in developing technologies and science. They just have them, right? They use them. Um, so they're, they're essentially, they're post-human LARPers. <laughs> right? yeah. They, they the, the reason, and this also explains why their, you know, their head change happened, right? Everybody says, hey, hey, everybody, new fashion, just like on Star Trek's uniforms, they change them every seven years or so. They swap in some new uniforms, um, because the people on Earth need to, uh, clothing designers need to work and they need new ba- com badges designs because everybody needs a job. The, if you think of the Klingons as LARPers, it's really funny. But if you mm-hmm. think of them as, um, uh, what's the difference between that and culture? That, that's sort of the, that's the, that's where I start to say, but Klingons are a metaphor, right? So if you actually say these people want to be Klingons, I'm like, come on. It's like the people want to be foxes. <laughs> I'm foxkin. Talk about furries. No, no, the people who, I mean, sometimes people dress like, but that's, that's like, it, 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 it's, it's sort of the same thing. It's, it's sort of unrealistic hopes for what, you're an ape. You're an ape that can swim and can put on clothes and light, light fireplaces and, you know, uh, collect rings, all sorts of different things. You're a weird ape. Just get over it. That's it. You're not, you're not a bird. <laughs> I mean, if you want to fly, there's helicopters. That's cool. But you're not a bird. You're not a, you're not a fish. You're not a shark. You're not a caterpillar. <laughs> and you're definitely not going into a chrysalis and coming out a uh, butterfly. <laughs> That's why I was like, this is bullshit, right? And, and yet, if you're doing it digitally, um, you know, you can have whatever avatar you want, but you're playing a game. When I play PUBG, I play as a female, but it's it's a game. <laughs> I mean, if I got the surgery and got my beard shaved real good, I'd still be a dude. <laughs> I mean, uh, underneath my, I had a joke about um, uh, some guy uh, <laughs> saying uh, offering space for what was it? Um, uh, 20 spots left in my harem. <laughs> I, I said, are, uh, will I have to shave my beard? <laughs> he says, bearded ladies are acceptable. And I said, well, do I, do I technically have to have, uh, uh, two X chromosomes? <laughs> and he says, the more X chromosomes, the better. I said, I'm not hearing it now. <laughs> because, the thing is, is, uh, look, uh, if you, if you have the, the fallopian tubes, 
um, it's probably because you had two X chromosomes, right? So you, you can adopt, you can do all sorts of stuff, but ultimately there is a reality and that's, we're biological and we can't fully transform from that. And even if we can say, you know, I got, uh, Jesse simulator, the, how Jesse's going to act. Jesse simulator 1.2. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> from, you know, you type in a question and say, Hey, Jesse, what do you think about this book? And Jesse simulator reads that book and says, hey, it's crap. <laughs> it might sound like Jesse, but it's still not going to be Jesse because it doesn't have the biology and it didn't map everything perfectly. That's what mm-hmm. I'm thinking. I think it's, it, it's, it's a mistake in the same way that thinking we're going to get warp drive anytime soon. So that's not well, yeah, that's that unfortunately not going to like. It doesn't seem to be happening anytime soon. The warp drive. <laughs> Every time yeah. they have an article about it, it's like, yeah, that's just that's just uh, gravity assist. Come on, guys. Wasn't it a? There was a Peter Hamilton novel, um, and the the introduction to it had people landing on Mars, but um, somebody had invented a wormhole. Pandora's star. That's it, Pandora's Star, right? That's a big book. That's a great opening. Oh, it was the best. So there was somebody watching the Mars landing, this pivotal event in human history, and he was, like, in a lab on the Earth, but he had created a wormhole to Mars, so he just stepped through it, and he was wearing this spacesuit that was, like, homemade and stuff. (laughs) And it gets gets on Mars first because it was this portal. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that that's a that's a great story. Oh, that was great awesome. Yeah. It's like, oh, you bet you. And he, so and we can like, do that. Yeah, let's do that <laughs> instead. No, no spaceships required. <laughs> well, I, I I liked Sliders too. It was a good show, but it it's, it's not happening. It wasn't to other worlds. It was to <clears throat> it, it was places within the in the cosmos. So right, right, yeah. Yeah, and in Hyperion you have that. Um, yeah, in Hyperion the you have casters. In fact, there was a person in the in the original book, the first book, which I still think is a masterpiece. But the uh, in one of those stories, he lived in a house that every room was on a different planet. Yeah, but when the gate spoiler, the gate stopped working, his house gets all cut apart. That's right. Yeah, so it's like oops. Yeah, great, great plan there. And which planet does he choose to poop on? <laughs> Earth, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> yeah. He was clearly making, sending a message. Yeah, it was a super rich person. It was a class thing in the book too. It was like ridiculously rich. In the so, how many classes yeah. have we got in this story? How many classes of? Yeah. Um, I don't know. They're post. About it. They're, that's because it doesn't. There are no classes, right? Everybody's well, equal, there's, there's, uh, except there's for the groups, how generational know. you are, right? How many yeah. generations yeah. of copies you are from the original, and, and what group you're in. Yeah, that's what that's yeah. what counts. What what group? How many generations are on? What group are you in? Right. And they were even talking about immigration between the groups. They called it emigration, or right, right, uh, because there's, because yeah. there's the one character that used to be a Glasner right. and. Suicide or em- emigration. That's right, mm-hmm. and and it it just it, that's why it's so interesting to reflect on what those those carpets are doing, right? It they're not uh, out there with telescopes, right? Looking at the universe mm-hmm. and seeing that spaceship in orbit that above we, them that we know of, yeah. <laughs> well, but they they don't have eyes, right? So, well, yeah. So yeah. they're simulating we're, we're stuff that that what we perceive is. Is it right? 
Yeah. Well, uh, I'm, just, I'm just saying we, we come we come with uh, assumptions. That's true, but they. I mean, pretty much everything that looks at stuff has eyes, right? We don't. If you're an insect. This is like tree. Trees can move towards light, right? But that's uh, not eyes. Uh, they they can detect light by you know their actions. But the the my point is is just that the the things that they're these carpets are communicating to each other or within themselves is uh it's social relations. Mm. Right? And right. and that is um and that's why it's, it's that mirror of the story. It, it is. A, I I I, th- I think it's designed to be depressing, but I don't come away from uh, like. Uh, I think it's designed to be depressing. I think that's on you. I don't know. I, I don't come away from the Library of Babel at all depressed because th- these are not supposed to be humans, right? But these things in the story are supposed to be humans. And uh, so, if that was your existence, Paul, <laughs> we, 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 would you be cool with that? The, if which is my existence? The, you're, you're a uh, clone of uh, somebody a long time ago, and now you put yourself into stasis, um, and you come out, and your your clone uncle is now butterfly, and <laughs> you, you you have debates about what the language should be to describe the thing that you're looking at down on the planet. And uh, one one of the things they have in this is they have Wikipedia, right? They uh, somebody mentions Wang, <laughs> Wang tiles, yeah, they, and they, they all know suddenly that what Wang tiles yeah, are. They all look it up on Wikipedia. And they race to see who can find it first. So right. So so it is. It's a post scarcity, post uh, body, transhumanist uh, space journey where every once in a while you come out of hyperspace or whatever. And you wake up and you you see some algae floating at the bottom of the sea and have a big debate about, about it. Is that is, are you cool with that? Is that what, how you how you want to live? I, 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 it could it could be fine. I mean, go, I'm going to other planets. You could drink seeing, digital root beer. I could take, I could drink digital root beer and take digital photographs. <laughs> see, <laughs> I like the digital photographs thing. I'm not sure about the digital root beer. I'm I'm not seeing the problem here. <laughs> I guess on the fine, uh, uh, you know, the 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 digital photographs is it's a good example. You can get some really pretty pictures, right? Um, pictures, and, pictures, pictures that no one's ever seen before in the world. Yeah, I mean, I mean, forget the simulation. Now I'm go- now I'm going to go off onto a, a rant of my own here. Okay, another rant. There, there's a fear among some photographers, and I and I and I I'm I'm kind of with them. About the whole idea of AI and software and use for photos. Mm-hmm. Basically, the whole idea of like you could take a, I could take a photo of the Tetons that was a cloudy day and I could digitally alter it right. and make it the most brilliant sunset ever. There's a lot of and it, photographs and, and that incorporate like three or four different or multiple shots of different but, planets and then put them all together, composite it, right? And and people are fine with that in some cases, in other cases not. But well well yeah, I, I mean I, I mean for the longest time I wasn't into HDR, but I get HDR now because you're 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 taking slices <laughs> of the reality that was there and putting them together. <laughs> because a camera a camera can't no camera right now can match the human eye. They, 
I, the, the Mark One eyeball, as my late friend Scott <laughs> like to call it, is much better than any camera lens ever created. So when I was standing there in the Tetons, I could see the colors and the mountains better than my camera, any single shot of my camera could. So taking multiple slots of HDR, different exposures, and blending them together to try to get better close to my human eye, that's fine. I do that. Now, if I was there in the Tetons and it was a crappy day and I take that picture, come back and put a gorgeous sunset <laughs> via AI, I think I personally think that's cheating because that's not I, it makes, reminds me of that lady who who restored the painting of Jesus and it ended up oh, yes, looking yeah, like a capuchin yeah, monkey. It's, it's, it's terrible, yeah. <laughs> and say, so, it's so, art! He, he, it wasn't really Jesus in the first place. <laughs> what do you want? This is what You don't know. This is what Jesus looked like, maybe. I mean, I, mean, I can see it's like saying, trying to pass off something like that as art, but then when, it's a very slippery slope to the point of, I have this picture with this background, with this background. It's like, People questioning, well, is that even really real, or did you just make that up? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm comfortable with the idea of people questioning the real, the absolute <laughs> reality of any of my photos, because my, my philosophy of photography, and I, and I did a kind of mini interview on a Discord recently about this, is because it turns out that a lot of my shots apparently are, I've, I've checked in the stats are about 40, 60 millimeters on a camera lens, which is about the about the size of a human eye look it just mm-hmm. how happens i i go for the if you were standing here this is what you would have seen or close enough to it so a picture with a fake sky that's that's not what i saw that's not what i could possibly have saw saw and <laughs> i don't want you to see a picture of mine and say that's not really what you saw because there's now ten thousand images with all these fake backgrounds that kind of it's the whole gresham's law like the bad driving out the good it's like Okay, that picture of the Tetons is fake, Paul. You use software for that. I noticed okay. in a lot of your photos, there's like this um, this weird overlay of reality saying, Prince Justin Photography in the bottom left-hand corner. That's a watermark. That's a- Oh, you're saying I wouldn't have seen that if my eye was there. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a different thing. This is a fascinating discussion, though, because, you know, when you think about it um, – there's similar arguments in sports, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, how, how much can you change your body and be a valid sports participant? Yep. Right? So you can take vitamins and supplements and, and whatever. But then there's a list of things that you can't do. And is that list arbitrary or not? You know? Um, yeah. yeah. You know, so you're, you're, you're using technology to enhance your performance, not unlike using technology to enhance a photograph. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of all over, isn't it? It's yep. just this crazy. It's it's really interesting, you know, because you know what in sports, especially, you know, it's almost like you could end up someday with two sports leagues. <laughs> you know, one one enhanced and one non enhanced. That's right. Yeah. Indeed. Mm. And so that's why they make all those different categories, too, right? Um, yep. This reminds me of SBDV's Runtime, which is a 21st century novella where people, enhanced people, basically do this really grueling marathon, sort of almost Iron Man competition in the Sierras. And the main character isn't 
is it then enhances other people and how can how can she compete with all these other enhanced people? <laughs> she has to outthink them and do better, but there's a definite there's a definite tension there. Yeah. Yeah, and then the other piece of it of course is the fact that we uh can't really trust photos or uh video anymore to give us facts, right? Yeah. You can you can stage an event or you never could, Paul. Well, I mean, Scott. You never, you never, you never, you never could, could, right? With the uh, Iwo Jima flag, right? That's staged. Yeah. Uh, restaged, I should say. Re- yes, right. that was restaged. But, you know, like... As long as there's been photographs, there's been Photoshop. It's usually just yeah. manual. <laughs> and more importantly... Photoshop. More, more importantly, about, just the thinking... The where, when Paul goes somewhere, he doesn't like... like <laughs> he doesn't shoot random stuff like there isn't a photo of like paul visiting some you know i was gonna say provincial park but it'd be i don't know state or federal park and he doesn't show like the toilet (laughs) it <laughs> was available in the park but that's my point is is you know it, it, he's choosing where to p- put and place the camera and that tells the story that he wants to tell so there it's always you know <laughs> it's always been the case that you can't trust the narrative right that's why it's so essential you have like sort of uh media literacy is what we would call it today right uh, maybe common sense is what people would have called it in the past. I don't okay. know. But basically, you don't trust just because the words are coming in. Don't trust the words as being... I mean, that's uh, that's why I like the invention of lying movies so much. It's so funny. <laughs> you just, it, it, it's a stage of human development, right? You, when you're a little kid, um, everything you do is honest. You You laugh, you cry. And then at one point, you sort of learn, realize, oh, if I make a, a scary noise, mom thinks I'm in pain. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's evil. But it's a stage of development that we all go through. And then it's like, we have to always remember that not everything is real. <laughs> that we think, that the, the sense data is not always trustworthy. So imagine if you were a digital creature like the creatures in these stories, um, that they, they can edit their personalities, right? And they can, uh, change their dispositions in radical ways. Um, if you want a totalitarian state, the best way is to have, uh, access to, you know, what everybody's thought was last week so that mm. their memory of what happened is now literally wiped, right? Rather than, oh, I, I seem to remember that not being the case. Our holographic memories of whatever we have for memory that, so spotty and so also useful could be you know just replaced like a digital hard drive um you know edited photoshopped mm-hmm. deleted mm-hmm. or or just ch- had the focus changed and so the narrative is so important that's why i was like it, it, it's so meta it's so set theory you've got this planet then you've got these people and then there's this greater thing and then there's a whole story and all those sets um I think he's done that. Uh, if he didn't do it deliberately, it's part of the uh, the kind of thing that he's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not no, normally when I read Ted Chang, who I would compare to Greg Egan, right? Um, at least with this story, uh, I don't. I don't think of. Um, I don't think of the story 
itself as part of the story. Right, right, right. You're 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 not you're not connecting those. Now this is good thinking. We go to Oscar Bach again, uh, mm-hmm. Scott. To the whole like levels of a story. You don't think of the one story connected to, to the other level of the story that. But this is like separating is it out like, and turn thinking about a guy in Australia who doesn't have a photo on the internet who wrote a story, right? Mm-hmm. That I'm I'm reading. It, it, it's 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 wholly artificial, right? In the same way that uh, any sort of math equation is wholly artificial, and yet it's it's a construction. That is interesting to look at. It, it's it, it, maybe this is like Sudoku or something. I, I never really understood the appeal. <laughs> so, so Sudoku is not a math. It's not a math puzzle. It's a. It's it's, it's, it's a logic. It's, it's a logic exercise because you don't even have to have numbers. You could just have nine symbols and right. basically don't repeat the symbols. So yeah, and so that's, Sudoku is a math. It's just logic. Well, it's going to Wang's carpets again, right? Or Wang's yeah. uh, tiles. Tiles. Yeah. Right. Um, by the way, there is, if you go to the Wikipedia entry for, uh, tiles, there's a link to a program that will try and do it in real time, you know, do the tile matching thing. So it's, it's kind of like dominoes, um, which is a game, right? <laughs> and, and something you play with as a kid and you flip them over and something on the other side, but it's one sided tiles. And then, wow. So yeah, um, I would say good story, good story, uh, depressing story. Not depressing in the normal way, but no, depressing no, 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 no. in the uh, Aurora sort of way for Paul. Yeah, clearly as Aurora's theories and uh, concepts about space travel and the use of space travel depress me. Post humanity, as expressed by Greg Egan, is not Jesse's cup of tea. No. So we are not going to go pursue and do more great. I don't think diaspora is the thing for no, me. No, a lot mm. of the stuff is either post-human or quasi-post-human. So I think, I think is that is that right? Wow. Yeah, he. I, Maybe I mean, that's like, why there's no photo like, of him. Yeah, like the aforementioned border guards I talked about. He might be a butterfly. Hundred years old, running around in a universe within our universe that they created. So it's it's a very it gets very very some of the stuff gets really out there. I mean the whole I showed you that cover last week of people science fiction people like science fiction. Greg Egan goes for it all the time. Hmm. I, I, I mean then, and then there's this stuff where he like he'll take a he'll change the the fundamental constants of the universe and then create novels out of, in that universe where the where the constants are changed. Mm-hmm. Just for fun, like the Clockwork Rocket series. So just for fun. I mean, those aren't so much supposed to be, but he's he's kind of like changed reality. And like, well, what if light bends differently? <laughs> I can make a trilogy out of that. And now, that's <laughs> that's the Greg Egan story. So you know, that's the Greg Egan way. So yeah, it's hard so as that for sure. Mm-hmm. But, but I thought it'd be important and useful for us to give him a try here on SF. Uh, I I think it was worthwhile. I just um. It, it, it I just, just didn't expect to become, you know, sort of. Oh, that's really sad. <laughs> that sad story, kind of like. Yeah, but that's a fake sad story. It's <laughs> this one's an actual sad story. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. 
Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sffaudio. Anyway, shall we shall shall, shall, shall we delve, delve into where Craig Egan instead? Let's do it. Yeah, it's just the three of us apparently, sadly and tragically. <laughs> it's not that tragic. Not everything's a tragedy, Paul. <laughs> sadly and tragically, we had five people for this episode. I, I wanted to. I wanted to do. Uh, uh, oh, by the way, Scott, um, I was listening to that file and I thought it was not fair because uh, we talked so much about Paul. <laughs> in the um the three hours uh we talked about tons oh. of stuff we talked a ton about paul because he was he he left right after this is the conan show in the summer i don't remember oh uh, i wouldn't have been there i don't remember the context <laughs> well we were I, like I, i'm trying to understand paul's psychology all the time and i'm like i don't understand this like what what's what's what does this mean? And I, I sort of have come to the conclusion that a lot of the times Paul's tweeting, he's he's responding to somebody or something in the news, and there's n- I I am not into that. I'm not in whatever feed that is, so I don't understand it. Right? Like Paul's uh, Paul just tweet sigh or something like what what what, <laughs> what is he sighing about? I go onto Twitter and I look around and I don't see anything. Um, it's sometimes something has nothing to do with Twitter or social media at all. I'm saying about something that's happened <laughs> yeah. outside of social life. So, um, a funny thing happened uh, on the way to the forum. Uh, yeah, um, Scott. Uh, Scott was saying I was using the what was the word? I I uh, I can't remember. It was uh, dimwit. No, it wasn't dimwit. Oh, shit! Fuck wit. Fuck wit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I accused I accused Jesse of using I, I said even even fuckwit. you use the word fuckwit when you're talking about people. And then it turns out that he searched his Twitter feed and he's never used that word. But uh, I, I think was like you're kidding, I think, but I have a strong memory of him yeah. calling somebody a fuckwit. But um Paul like, Paul was in my feed and he had said something was a fuckwit or something. Um but I did notice uh, in the show notes or maybe in the after show I, I said the word dipshit. Um, I think it's in the show notes. Um, and, uh, so we had like a really good three hour conversation about movies and a bunch of stuff after that Conan show. I, it was, uh, January, uh, July 5th, right? Right after. I don't remember our show from July, man. I know. That's what, the, so I wanted, uh, like, I know I wasn't on that one if it was Conan. No, it, well, you weren't on I've it. I read almost Will, zero Conan, unfortunately. Will and Trish and um, Alex from Pulp Covers and uh Well, yeah, you, you just Paul. mentioned that you post some of that sometimes, and I was like, yeah, usually when we're done, I assume that we're done and we're not recording anymore. I, I'm always recording because I, I think this is, like, really good stuff. Like, some, uh, sometimes we've, like, had a... Uh, such a good converse, after show conversation it just becomes a show you know uh, if we're talking about books or movies or what, whatever it is usually it's a book um, so uh, but Paul I was thinking uh, Paul doesn't even listen to the podcast apparently in which case no, no, because I'm, because I'm participating. he's on it. Yeah. Like, well, why do I need to listen to it again unless I want to looking for something specific I guess it's just that, like, I'm, I'm in on, I'm in on it. Uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but uh it's really it's really interesting because uh I can see patterns developing out of it. I I guess we should start the show, but I Let's let her All right. Are they uh are carpet related? <laughs> carpet patterns? patterns? Yes, they are. <laughs> oh man. One second. I'm not quite ready. Okay, here we go. <laughs> 